Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one sacred page of Talmud a day. And on today's page, Nazir 16, we get a bit of a spooky Mishnah, something a little bit eerie, but so, so beautiful. Have a listen. One who took a vow of Nazariteship while in a cemetery, even if he was there for a full 30 days without leaving, those days he spent in the cemetery do not count as part of his tally, since his Nazariteship has not yet gone into effect. And he therefore does not bring the three offerings of impurity brought by a Nazarite when rendered ritually impure by contact with a corpse, despite having been in a cemetery. If he left the cemetery and entered it again, those days do count as part of his tally, meaning the Nazarite ship takes effect and he does bring the offerings of impurity for re-entering the cemetery. In other words, since we know that the Nazir, as part of his vow or her vow, is not allowed to come into contact with a dead corpse, if a person takes a vow of Nazarite ship in a cemetery, staying in the cemetery the whole time, not moving, the vow doesn't take effect because the cemetery is an unholy space, as you will, or a holy space or a space that just doesn't resonate with the Nazarite vow, which got me thinking a lot about this notion of sacred spaces, unholy spaces. And I called one person who I thought could really make great sense all of this. Welcome back to the show, Rabbi Lauren Tuckman. Thank you so much for having me back. First of all, Always great to talk to you. Second of all, like, you know, I read this and yes, I understand there's the legality of the Nazir not being able to come into contact with the course, but then there also seemed something a little bit sort of eerie about this. Like, listen, for as long as you're in this quote unquote bad place, this vow of purity simply can't begin. It's such a great emphasis on the place itself. Tell us what's what's going on here. You know, I think it's really interesting to ask ourselves about this paradox, right? Because on the one hand, you would think, well, if the person has taken this vow of Nizirut for 30 days in a cemetery, why wouldn't those count? And yet it's very clear from the Mishnah here that they don't, as we just described. I think part of this has to do with a larger rabbinic question or paradox or grappling around contact with death, either literally, as in this case, or metaphorically, as in the case of things like Tum'ah and Tara, or very badly translated, impurity and purity. And I say very badly translated because I think that the moral connotations of impurity and purity are very high, especially in a puritanical cultural context in the United States. So I really don't like those translations, but I think that actually this mission is pointing to a similar idea that we have to figure out what we do when we have contact with death. And what does that contact with death, and in this case, really directly, have to do with our holy now taking or our actions ritually in other ways, right? Because we know in earlier tractates of Gemara, we learn that there are ways in which one is exempted from, for example, saying the Shema if one is in a state of Tum'ah or ritual impurity. Right. So I think here we're grappling with this question, but the interesting piece of it is the vow of Nizirut does not yet take effect because the person is not actually in 
I would say, is not actually able to execute the vow immediately, right? Because they are directly engaging in behavior that is not acceptable. When you are in a state of Nizi roots, you are not permitted to be in contact with a mate, with a corpse. And I think that that's what's happening here is that there's a certain way in which you are deliberately, whether it's by not cutting your hair, whether it's by not having any kind of great beverage, which that is a ritual uh, limitation that's quite significant. I mean, think about the ways in which wine is so important on the holidays and on Shabbat, for example. And so, too, not being able to have contact with death has direct ritual implications in terms of when can you can you can't be present for a burial. You can't engage in washing the body. Like, there are things that by becoming a Nazir, you are exempting yourself from ritually in the desire to attain greater Kedusha or holiness. And I think that's a really hard and interesting paradox. I couldn't agree more. And I am so grateful for this astute analysis. Rabbi Lauren Tuckman, thank you so much as ever for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And get your Take One merch, t-shirts, mugs, and other great stuff at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scarmucha, and Mark Oppenheimer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic. Thank you.